the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer and Time Insights back again. Thank you so much. I appreciate you tuning in and listening. We've been harping on repentance. This is, I think, the fourth week on repentance. We've spoken about repentance on a national scale. We've spoken about repentance on an individual scale. Uh, Last week, I think we spoke about repentance, the gospel of repentance. And so today we're going to talk about the God of repentance. This is just in keeping. God wants to be found. He's not hiding from us. He wants to be known by us. And he does it in so many different ways. For instance, there's the Word of God and revelation knowledge. As you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God reveals to you who God is. And that's the idea behind reading the Bible, getting to know God. And then there's also judgment. The Bible says God's known by the judgments which he executes. So he's known in there. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. You could actually look up at the sky and the Bible says in Romans 1 that you've got an ingrained knowledge of the power of God uh, and the righteousness of God. He's placed that in you already and it's innate. You're born with it. And when you realize that he is the creator, you know, he reveals himself as creator and you are allowed to do that just by looking at the sky. But basing that knowledge, that vision that you've got on the Word of God. Read Romans as you're doing it, and you'll understand that you have been built in with this innate knowledge to understand God. And the last way that we're talking about today is I'm going to show you how God is revealed in repentance. The aspect of love, people aren't going to get this, but there's no greater way to see the love of God than through the repentance that he sends. Well, judgment's right up there also, but we'll talk about them both. Hallelujah. Starting off with the scripture in Acts chapter 17, verse 31. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. There were times when God did not pronounce instant punishment upon mankind for his sin. But as Paul tells us here, those times are past. The heart of God is ready to do serious business with mankind and sin in these last days. And the result of that heart action by God is a command for everyone everywhere to repent. God has had enough of sin, and Jesus has defeated sin. So no more free ride for man. It's time to repent. The King James, it doesn't really provide the best translation here. So let's look at the Amplified. Therefore, God overlooked and disregarded the former ages of ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That is, to change their old way of thinking, to regret their past sins, and to seek God's purpose for their lives. I like this version better for a few reasons. Number one, God winked. Wasn't really. That that doesn't do service to what he's saying. God doesn't wink at sin. 
It's not the right impression of God's view regarding sin. God never winks at our sin like it's okay or that's cool or don't worry about it. No, that's not the way God deals with sin, even when he didn't hold us accountable back in the day. His position on sin is unchangeable. He hates it. It leads men to hell, and he ultimately wound up offering the life of his son to pay man's penalty out of the goodness of his heart because he loves us for that sin. Sin with God, friends, it's a very serious business. But yes, he did overlook it, and that means for a time he didn't instill the penalties that resulted in immediate punishment for our transgressions. That was then, this is now. Then we were ignorant of sin or what it was or the danger it presented to us, no more. God's view of sin has always been singular and absolute. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love this. Notice the two thoughts here, sin and death. Christ equals life, sin equals death. Let me read it again. For the wages of sin is death. Okay, you've got sin resulting in death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So you've got sin leading to death, and then you've got Christ leading to life. I think that's fabulous. Notice the two thoughts there, though, in that one sentence. They're very powerful. Sin equals death. Christ equals life. Repentance is the vehicle which connects these two truths. If we sin, we die. If we accept Christ, we live. The way out of sin's death and into Christ's life is repentance. In God's goodness and mercy, when we were ignorant of sin, he didn't hold us accountable as he does today. Paul called it the age of ignorance or the ages of ignorance concerning sin. This isn't that day anymore, family. There's grace for us today. Hallelujah. Christ's defeat of sin changed that. And with that defeat, repentance came as the way for man to escape the death that sin brings with it. Sure, we still sin, even church folk, we still sin. But if we hearken to the voice of Jesus, the command is to repent. God forgives us and cleanses us from our sin. Sure, sin is great, but God's plan for salvation is greater, and we all can access that plan through the gift of repentance. The scripture says he commands us to repent, Acts seventeen thirty one. Let me read it again. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at us, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. The scripture says that he commands us to repent. It's a universal mandate. If the Ten Commandments were given in the New Testament instead of the Old Testament, I am convinced this would be number one. Repent. Remember, it's the love of God, the love of God, the God of love who is working this out, and it's his will. No one fails in his command to repent. Second Peter 3, 9, I pretty much do this verse every time I teach on repentance. The Lord is not a slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The so-called ages of ignorance that was referenced in the amplified version of it, God wasn't asleep at the wheel. That's why, that, no, that's not what was going on. It was designed always with the intended heart of God to give man time. Time for what? Time to repent. God is patient. We just read it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. He's not being lazy. He's not paying attention. No, he is giving us time as a race to repent of our sin, but the long-suffering to us. He's not willing that any should perish. That's why he's patient. He's not in a rush to condemn us. He doesn't want to condemn us. He's not willing that any perish, but that all 
come to repentance. Hallelujah. Look at how the Amplified Version of Acts 17.31 fleshes out God's gift of repentance. That is, to change their old way of thinking, to regret their past sins, and I love this, and to seek God's purpose for their lives. We're to change our old way of thinking. I wish to include the thoughts of the heart here also. You don't think with your mind. You think with your heart just as well, right? The Word of God is alive and sharp, more powerful than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. The Word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Your heart has thoughts also. The Amplified says, uh, repentance, changing their old way of thinking and regretting our past sins and then seeking God's purpose for our lives. Included in repentance, according to the Amplified Version, we should seek God's purpose for our lives. So God's plan for the gift of repentance in our lives is so that we would then have hearts that desire to know God's will for our lives. That's consistent with the prayer that Paul prayed in Colossians 1.9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We must know God's will for our lives, both as individuals and as a church body. And the doorway to that understanding is through repentance. I'm telling you, so much is connected to repentance. We miss so much if we uh, harden our hearts against it, if we neglect it, if we refuse it. There's so many things that are connected. Life is connected to it cleansing, righteousness is connected to it, and knowing God's will. It's amazing. We are being pulled in so many different directions as a church body today. We agree on very little, and that keeps us from fulfilling so many aspects of God's plan for our lives. If we would just stay in the Bible and leave our own carnalities behind, our opinions, our agendas, if we would just stay in the Bible, we would begin to fulfill so many aspects of God's plan for our lives that are missing. If we would just stay in the Bible, leave those carnalities behind, it would go a long way towards unifying us as a church body. Matter of fact, in our Thursday prayer meeting, uh, this has been my heart. And we begin that time of prayer now by praying that we would come to know his will for the church. Let's look at the very many different ways in which God's repentance is delivered to us. Don't forget, remember, it's a gift. Repentance is a gift from God. Number one. Number one way that we can find that the Lord delivers repentance to us was through the Old Testament prophets, right? The Lord God sent prophets to warn the people of the evil he would bring, he would bring, if they didn't repent of their sin. Jeremiah 8, 6. I hearkened and heard, but they spoke not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course as the horse rushes into the battle. Unfortunately, throughout history, man has refused God's gift of repentance. And this goes back to man's refusal to acknowledge he's a sinner. And this is where one of the greatest assaults on the church today is man is not allowing the church to tell him that he's a sinner. Man refuses to acknowledge that he's a sinner. That goes hand in hand within the last days. Men would be lovers of themselves. We've made idols of ourselves. There's nothing that we can't do. Remember the Tower of Babel? When 9-11 came, the, the pride of man, we're going to rebuild it bigger than it ever was. Man, man, man. I'm telling you, without God, man is a reprobate headed straight to hell. There's nothing good about the heart of man outside of God. That's why we need to be born again. So, I hearkened and heard, but they spoke not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness. Well, the idea behind gospel preaching is to identify man that he is wicked. The whole idea behind 
uh, repentance is to force man to come face to face with the fact that he is a sinner. If you didn't need to repent, that would bear witness that you are not a sinner. But the fact that repentance is a theme throughout the Bible, it's the gospel of repentance. We spoke about that last week. That causes man to come face to face with the revelation of the truth, the fact that he is a sinner. And throughout history, man has refused this gift of repentance. And it's based on the fact, the misconception that he doesn't need a savior. There have been times when man has repented, though, and as a nation, and as individuals both, and the rewards are great. Revival is usually the result of national repentance, but don't forget, revival, it's instituted by God. It's not from the mind of man, it's from the heart of God, and it signifies a coming manifestation of the Spirit of God in some way for God's sovereign purposes. Repentance, so important. Look at Jeremiah 18.8, though, but if the people of that nation stop doing the evil they have done... If they turn back, if they repent from its evil concerning that which I have spoken of, I will change my mind. I will repent, says the Lord. I will not carry out my plans to bring disaster to evil upon them. And that's where we are right now. You know, in America, we are just evil. We have a corrupt government. We have an apostate church. Uh, The heart of man is continually wicked. That's how the Lord described uh, the heart of man before the flood came. Thank the Lord he's not going to destroy the earth by flood this time. No, he's going to burn it next time. But we need to repent. That is the only thing that will stave off such harshness of God's judgments. So God says right there, if the nation will repent as a nation, then I too shall repent, change the way I was thinking, and I will not bring disaster or evil upon them. So here, look at this. We see the power that's in repentance. We know that in the lives of individuals, repentance can pave the way for God's presence in our lives. Amen. We know that. But here we see what repentance can do on a national scale. It can cause God to actually change his heart concerning the destruction that he planned on bringing to that entire nation. Number two, God sent John and Jesus to announce the advent of the kingdom of heaven. One main earmark of this announcement was the declaration that the way to enter into this kingdom was through repentance. Matthew 3, 2. And saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I love the way that Jesus wrote that and Paul recorded it. That's in the gospel. And so Jesus says, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So did John. Notice, repent comes first. The announcement The kingdom of heaven is at hand, which is the glorious declaration, right? And yet God puts that repentance before he makes the announcement and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You would have thought that the announcement would have come first, but no, God places the condition for entrance into this kingdom first. It further shows the importance in God's eyes of repentance. Number three. God's goodness prepares man's heart to receive this heavenly gift of repentance. Romans 2, 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So here, God associates his goodness with repentance. And within that goodness, there's forbearing and there's patience and there's longsuffering, knowing that man moves slow. But he says right there, though, that the goodness of God is designed to bring man to repentance. Let's connect that important scripture, which is another one, which is found in Romans. Romans 11.22. Now, this is when Paul is writing about the 
the fact that God removed the natural branches because of their unbelief. They uh, sinned, the Jews did, and then he grafted in the uh, wild olive tree, the wild olive branch. He grafted them in, that's representative of the Gentiles. So here in Romans 11, he says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. On them which fell the Jew, the severity of God, but toward thee, he's writing to us, the Gentiles, goodness, if, it's conditional, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise you too shall be cut off. What's the lesson there? In context, you've got God is telling us Romans 2, 4, that the goodness of God leadeth the repentance. Romans eleven twenty two. if you continue in God's goodness, you will remain and you won't be cut off. In context, God is telling the Gentiles that if they remain in his goodness, they will not be cut off. And that's nice. But at first glance, that puts it all on God, right? If you remain in the goodness of God, who decides the goodness of God? God does. He sends it, right? Man doesn't control God's goodness. God does. But the deeper truth here, the deeper revelation is that it's the goodness of God which leads us to repentance. So then what Paul is telling us on behalf of the Father is this. His goodness is designed to bring you to the place of repentance. Stay there. I know you're going to sin, says the Lord. Jesus dealt with that, though. But sin can't kill you or remove you as long as you repent. What a truth. He tells him, stay in my goodness. Why? Because there's repentance in my goodness. Yes, you're going to sin. Everybody sins. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But as long as you repent, my mercy will keep you in that wild olive tree. You'll be staying there. You won't be cut off like the Jew was. The Jew got cut off because they didn't repent because of their unbelief. Well, the church has to avoid that, and they do that by remaining in the goodness of God, and they do that by repenting of our sin. Number four, God sends repentance to mankind through judgments. We don't like this, and yet it's important. It's an important aspect that we understand the character of God. Remember, the world judges to condemn Christians judge to correct. Remember that. It's very important. Revelation 2.22. This is an astounding scripture. You're going to love this. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, talking about the church at uh, Thyatira, Behold, and talking about Jezebel. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. We see that the Father will often give stern warnings when he makes this offer of repentance. In this case, it's the ultimate warning. Repentance is still offered. It's still on the table. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. But if Jezebel, which is a picture of the apostate church, if Jezebel and those who follow her don't repent, they will pay the most severest penalty. First, for those saints in her day who participated in idolatry, her adultery, her fornication, they would suffer tribulation. That's what Jesus says. And let me say this. All seven churches are in view for the end-time church. There's, there's both the good aspects of the church in the churches today that was there, and there's also the negative, the sinful aspects of the churches back in those days that are in our church as well. So we need to take these lessons to heart. But back to Thyatira, Jesus also makes it quite clear that those who are still around at the time of the Great Tribulation, they will be left behind to endure the Great Trial as well. It's a nasty prophecy, but God isn't fooling around. If you sin, he will send repentance. Yes, there'll be judgment coming, but there's still the offer to repent and avoid those judgments here. But you had better not reject that 
offer of repentance. So yes, here Jesus tells us plainly, the apostate church will be left in the tribulation. They will have to go through the tribulation. They will miss the rapture. So yes, again, in answer to the question, will the church be raptured before the tribulation? Or will the church be raptured during the tribulation? Or will the church be raptured after the tribulation? Well, the answer is yes and no. (laughs) The true church of God who follow the truths in the Bible They will be raptured before the tribulation, before the wrath of God. Amen? But the apostate church, and who's the apostate church? He just told us right there in uh, Thyatira. The apostate church consists of the religions of the world and those who follow false teaching and false teachers and false doctrine, which leads to adultery, fornication, and idolatry. No, they will go into the great tribulation unless what? Unless they receive God's offer of repentance. You can only go so far with God until you must repent. And then your relationship will go as far as repentance will take you. And that's all the way to the throne room of God, all the way to the Holy of Holies. Hallelujah. Number five, God sends repentance even in the midst of his wrath being poured out. Revelation nine eighteen and Revelation nine twenty and 21. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. And the rest of the men which were killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of the sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now, understand something. God would not be writing this that they did not repent if he did not have repentance on the table as an offer to them. That's how much he loves us. Here we are. We're wrapping up the end of the age. Uh, A third of mankind has just been killed, and yet there's still two-thirds left. And so God is offering those, hey, you can repent. You can avoid future judgment. I find this amazing. Here, God himself has just overseen the death of at least one and a half billion people. Yet, repentance is still on the table. Yet, people still refuse it. I find that, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's a lesson for sure. Think about it. A billion and a half people dead. One in three people dead, right? I don't know what happens to their bodies. I, I don't know if this is a nuclear explosion. I don't know if they're lying. You know, I mean, who's going to bury these people? I mean, they're, they're, it's just amazing. A billion and a half people have just died. It's a lesson for sure in the depths of the hard-heartedness of mankind. It's a shame that that's what the ruling spirit in their hearts is going to be, is hardness and rejection of God. But think about the the four billion people, perhaps, that are still left. What an opportunity for salvation. I mean, we've just seen the wrath of God in action, yet in the midst of that wrath, hallelujah, God is so good, repentance is still on the table. What's it going to take? Well, unfortunately, a lot of these people, their hearts have been hardened through the rejection of God day in and day out, week after week, month after month, year after year. The father of love in the midst of divine judgment and wrath resulting in untold punishment, pain and death if they will still refuse to receive his gift of repentance. His love for them is always on the table if they will just repent. But no, as we draw closer and closer to the return of Jesus, mankind doesn't ascend higher and higher towards righteousness. Mankind's descending lower and lower back into pagan practices. 
It's been written. I mean, that's the nature. That is the future of man. I know what's going on in America. We're going to get worse and worse. We're not going to fix the problem. The church does not have that authority. And so things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And what then is the word for the church today? Well, actually, I got two words for the church today. Number one, Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Remember, the Bible talks about that these people that saw these people died, the, the 4 billion that might have seen the 2 billion that were killed, they witnessed that. And yet, they reject it because of hardness of heart. You must watch out. You must keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So Hebrews 3.13, this is why we do what we're doing. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is tricky stuff, my friends. Sin is powerful stuff. Yet, repentance is much more powerful. Choose to repent, receive the goodness of God, and let him point you towards eternal life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.